right, let's get back in the manual. <clears throat> so we see how much information Jesus needed to heal. None, right? None at all. So page 44, we're talking about being like Jesus. And we're going to move forward quickly here. And like Jesus, and this is some of the setting that you want to get. And we're just trying to build some of this into you so you get a hold of it. <clears throat> in Matthew 10, 23, we're showing that it is enough that the servant be like his master or as his master. It says in verse 23, But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough that the, for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Now, the point here is this. <clears throat> the idea of you following Jesus is that you look like him. And that we, to look like him, uh, you cannot look like Jesus and not operate in power. It's just that simple. <clears throat> That's a whole different Jesus. You, when you, if you take away healing and the power of God out of the ministry of Jesus, you are... To, to say it the easy way, you're messing with the DNA of God, right? It's in his DNA to heal, to deliver, to set free. And if we're going to be like him, then we should be like him in all ways. Now, in Luke 6, 39, it says, And he spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or mature shall be as his master. So the idea is that we are growing to look like him. And if, too often we hear people say, well, yeah, but that was Jesus. You know, or, well, that was the disciples. Well, it'll always be somebody. You know? Well, that was John Lake. You know? That was Wigglesworth. You, you, you know, who do you think you are? Let me tell you, the devil has two tactics. Number one, he gets in front of you when you start figuring this stuff out and you go, you know what? I'm supposed to be operating in some power here. <clears throat> as soon as you figure that out, the devil will jump in front of you, put his hand on your chest and say, who do you think you are? You're no Wigglesworth. You're no John Lake. You're not. The, who do you think you are? You're just trying to be somebody. Yeah, and he'll say all that stuff. And then once you keep on going and you get that, as we call it, kind of that breakthrough to where you first see something happen. Now the devil can't stop you because you've got some results and you keep on moving. Now his tactic switches. Instead of being in front of you trying to hold you back, he moves around behind you puts his hand on your back and says, ooh, you're special, you're gifted, you're anointed, you're, you're, you're a special person. And he starts trying to get you, get your head big so that he will eliminate you or disqualify you from being used. So that's his two tactics. Two tactics. He either tries to hold you back or push you forward, right? And so that's what you have to watch for is understanding where, where is he working? What's he trying to do, okay? So <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter 4, and this is the scriptures we've already gone over, but in verse 11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. Till, so we're going to have these, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, mature man. Well, what perfect, mature man are we to come into? Jesus Christ. Un, now notice this, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's where we're headed, right? Now, <clears throat> he says, 
Verse 14, now he tells us why. He's, well, he tells us what, then he tells us how long, then he tells us why. Verse 14, that we henceforth from now on be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now notice one of the uh, characteristics of a child, okay, is this. They are tossed with every wind of doctrine. You got that? Tossed to and fro with every wind. In other words, well, you know, some people say healing's for everybody. Ooh, yeah, that's, that sounds right. That's, that's, that sounds like God. Well, yeah, but there may be reasons why God doesn't want to heal people. Well, you know, that sounds pretty good too because I can understand that. I can see. And what? They're tossed to and fro. If you look at the life of Simon Peter, the, the name Simon means reed, one blown in the wind. And he said, you're Simon Peter? He said, now listen, you are Peter. You're a rock. In other words, I'm, now notice when he did that, uh, <clears throat> that was before he was really converted in the sense that it was after that that he still denied him and did everything. So what was he doing? He was calling him something that he was not yet. But he said, I see what's in you. Right now, everybody else sees this read. Quick to jump up, quick to say things, quick to shoot off your mouth. But I see inside of you somebody who is stable, somebody who is solid, and that's what you're going to be. Right? And so we need to realize the same thing, to grow up and not be immature, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, but settle in, understand the truth of the Word of God, be wise, not unwise, knowing the will of the Lord. All right? That's the big point of growing up, is that we can know God's will and walk in it systematically every day and be stable. <clears throat> when I started, and for years, my life was up and down. I mean, on a mountaintop one day, valley the next, back and forth. And a lot of it had to do with I would try to do something or whatever it was in my understanding at that time. And I felt like, you know, God didn't meet me there or whatever it was. And I would tumble. I mean, I'd go down and I was back and forth. <clears throat> and then people started calling me. And I started realizing that these people are, that are calling, I never knew when my phone rang. I didn't know what was going to be. I didn't know if it was... And believe me, I've got calls for everything. I've got calls that I would pray that a woman's cat would come back home, right? Which is not the kind of calls I want at 2 o'clock in the morning, which is when I usually get them. <clears throat> I've had calls for one lady asking me to uh, pray that Bigfoot would not come through her yard again because it came through her yard pretty much every night. Not kidding, right? <clears throat> we get those kind of calls, right? And when the phone rings, you can't assume that it's going to be that kind of call because the, the, as soon as you do and you answer, somebody's crying, somebody's screaming because somebody's child just died, there was a car wreck, somebody's husband, something. And you, the thing is, you have to be ready right then. You can't say, well, give me three days, I'll go fast and pray, <clears throat> and then we'll pray. No, it didn't work that way. You have to live ready. And the minute I started getting those kind of calls, it was amazing because all of a sudden the responsibility that was there that I knew these people... Many times I'm their last hope. I'm the last call they make. They don't call anybody else. They don't even call the other prayer lines, but they'll call me. So I have to be able to get the job done. And to do that, my life had to quit being this and had to be this. And so there was a stability that came in whenever I realized the responsibility of other lives were, were, uh, they were, they were relying on me to make sure that their loved ones did not die and or stay dead. And so... That put a change in things. Uh, many of the times, I'm talking about this, I want to be able to get uh, on my phone. Uh, it's almost, well, it's always on. And 
in it, I have these calls where people call in, they go to, it goes to voicemail, and a lot of times I will call them back. But the voicemails that we get, I want to be able to record those and play them because it's one thing for me to hear them and type them out and say, here, agree with me, help me get this done, and you read it. It's another thing to hear the voice of the person whose loved one is dying. It's a whole different thing, and people need to hear that and know this is not fun and games in the sense where well, it is pretty fun, I'll be honest with you, but it's not all playing games. People's lives depend on whether you get results or whether you don't. And so there's a lot more to it than just, well, I, I want to be the next healing ministry. I want to be the n next big name in healing, and that, is, that has nothing to do with it. That part dies out real quick, Amen. right? Uh, what counts is, are you able to get the job done? And you have to be able to pray for their kids like you would your kids, right? That you don't just go, well, Lord, you know the situation, so bless them, be healed in Jesus' name. All right, have a good night, and you go back to sleep. It's not that. You have to be able to say, if that was my child, how would I want that person praying for me? And that's when you get up and you go in the other room so that you can get loud if you need to or whatever you got to do. And you're there until you know you've got it, right? Until it's done. And so we, we'll talk about that some as we go also. Here he says, <clears throat> uh, we finished up in verse 14, uh, <clears throat> that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But... Speaking the truth in love. Notice not just speaking the truth. Speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Our goal, our destination. Listen, we were predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So anything less than that. See, this idea about, well, just be, be the best you can be, you know. Be the best you God made you. No, the best you God made you to be is Jesus, right? This whole idea, well, but that's not my calling. No, you don't, you don't have a separate calling. I would challenge you because when we talk about calling, people talk about callings. Like, that's your calling. This is my calling. We all have this, you know, your own calling. That is not true, right? When it talks about how the gifts Gifts is plural. Gifts and calling of God uh, are, 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 are not uh, revocable, right? You have to realize he wasn't talking about gifts and callings. He said gifts, plural, and calling. In other words, that call, the word calling means invitation. So God's gifts to you, oh yeah, those, those you know, he, he does not uh, pull those back. His calling, his calling is not your calling to be an apostle you're calling to be a prophet. That's not what he's talking about. It was his invitation to you to be with him. You have to remember when he ordained the 12, he ordained them that they might be with him. Right? You're ordaining, uh, you're walking, you're calling as people call it, your, your, your function in the body of Christ. That's, that's one thing. But your calling is your calling is to be like him. Your calling is to walk with him. It's not to be somebody. Right? You, you get that? It's a whole different thing. You have gifts, obviously, but we need to realize you will never find the word callings, plural, in the Bible. Okay? It's the word calling. So, now, <clears throat> here, and if you look uh, in verse, um, yeah, actually, we can go on to the next one. You can look it up. There it is in the Strong's Concordance. I'll give you the information there underneath uh, Ephesians 4, 15. Then in 1 John 2, verse 4, it says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, 
in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. How? We keep his word. Right? People say, well, you know, but, but nowadays the big deal is, uh, well, nobody can keep his word and we keep falling and that's the whole point. No, the point is the grace of God gives you the ability to live above that and his spirit upon you and with you allows you to walk the way God wants you to, right? Not to make excuses for failure, but to give you the ability to walk where God called you to walk, right? That's a big, a big point that needs to be brought out now uh, in the church worldwide. But whoso keepeth his word, verse 5, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. And that's pretty clear, right? 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And 1 John 4, 17, these are all scriptures referring to you being like Jesus. 1 John 4, 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Not the next one. This world, right now, right? You need to get these into you. Uh, they were talking about the uh, little booklet we have, acknowledging what is in you. You need to get this in you. Now, it's in your spirit. So it's not in your spirit where you need it, right? Many to, again, backwards church. We always say this. Well, I have head knowledge. It needs to become heart knowledge. No, what you have is heart knowledge that needs to become head knowledge, right? See, when you were recreated, your spirit was recreated, but your mind has to be renewed. God did the recreating. You do the renewing, right? You do that. And because of that, what is in you, in you, you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new and all things are of God. Everything in there is right and it's good. Now, the problem is you have to get what's in you because the mind of Christ is in you. Now, you have to get that mind in your mind, right? And when you do that, when you have your mind renewed, now your mind and your spirit walk in unison and the power of God flows from you simply and easily. That's why I'm, I keep reminding everybody, this is not about learning a doctrine. Uh, this is about understanding who is in you, and it's about walking out as a new creation, and that new creation uh, looks, talks, and lives like Jesus if you'll let it. Right? It's just that simple. So it is a, a different way of living, I will tell you that. Now, he says, <clears throat> John 14, 12 and 13, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall I do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. See, we always put qualifiers on this. And we need to realize the reason he said this is because everything we pray for, everything we speak that comes to pass brings glory to God, especially when we say, God answered my prayer. It brings you joy and it brings God glory. And every time that happens, it glorifies the Son, which brings glory to the Father. And all this idea about, well, you know, uh, God probably won't do that. You know, you pray, and if it doesn't happen, then it wasn't His will. Okay, that is not true, right? You find out His will first. Then you pray His will. And when you pray His will, His will comes to pass. Amen? So, quit making excuses for it. Mark 16, verses 18 through 20, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, we're going to move into... Uh, section 6 here, <clears throat> because these are some basic sacred cows that 
pretty much everybody hears. It is amazing to me. And it just shows how the church has done this as a whole. And listen, I love the church. I'm not against it. I know it sounds like I'm blasting it a lot, but we've got to fix the problems so that the church can be who it's supposed to be. So I'm not blasting it. You know, I pastor a church. Uh, I believe in the church. Be very honest with you. We have churches around the world and not only the churches that are associated with us, but also other churches. They, they, the, the cares, the problems that they go through uh, bothers me, right? Because I realize that they don't have to. They don't have to go through those things. They can walk the way they're supposed to and the church should be the body of Christ. We should be that city on a hill whose light shines and not all this other stuff. So I'm not, please understand, I'm not blasting the church, okay? But in that case, or you know, along these lines, we also have to remember that uh, if you go anywhere, you go out almost any mall or anywhere and you interview people and you tell them um, whether they believe in healing or not, if you ask them, uh, can you give me three reasons why somebody might not get healed? Uh, you know, if, if somebody prayed and they, and for healing, give me three reasons why they might not get healed. Almost everybody, everybody you meet, right? They'll know Paul's thorn. They'll know Timothy's stomach. Okay. Um, they, they, you know, they'll, they'll give you that. They'll give you Job, right? They all know Job, right? And they'll go on, you know, sometimes even more than that, but they'll, they'll at least know those three things. You know, sometimes they'll say, well, you know, uh, Paul left somebody sick somewhere. I don't remember who it was, but I know, I know he left somebody sick. So healing must not be for everybody all the time. And so, well, and, and Jesus, of course, <clears throat> he couldn't even get everybody healed in his own hometown. So obviously it's not always God's will. So there's five things right there. And they'll, they will go through it. And it's amazing because those are not things you learn on the street. You learn that in church. Right? And so the church has taught people unbelief. We've taught them these things that, that give people a reason to think that God might not always want to heal or be able to heal. Right? And now we've even got more things that, that generally come up with people try to say them. But we need to realize, number one, Job was not in our covenant. Right? So you can't even compare him to you because you ain't him, right? There is no reference technically. Uh, and, and the funny thing is people blast Job a lot of times. But honestly, the one thing about Job was he said, you know, even if he slayed me, I will serve him. So he was faithful. And the Bible even said in all these things, Job never sinned against God. He never brought his voice. His wife said, curse God and die. And it's funny, all the people that told him to do those things, they died, right? And all these things. And then finally God shows up at one point and goes to what is generally called Job's comforters, his friends, and tells them, you've spoken wrong about me. Right? Think about that. So even the things they said about God wasn't right. And yet, at the end, it's funny, everybody wants to be Job, and well, you know, this is, I'm probably going through this, I guess I'm just like Job. Well, then be like Job. Job's whole problem lasted less than nine months. Whole thing, all that stuff he, now, that was a rough nine months, let me just tell you, all right? But all that lasted nine months or less, and whenever it was all over, it says, and God turned the captivity of Job. If you go back in and look at it, it was Satan that attacked Job. It wasn't God. And it was Satan that smote him with boils and all these things that was going on. And then we find out at the end when it says that God turned his captivity, it means that Job was in captivity to Satan. And it was God that turned it around. 
And at the end, if you're going to be like Job, be like Job and get double everything you had to begin with. Amen. Of course, don't be careful. I mean, be careful when you get double because then the church will come against you for being prosperous. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so anyway, so you got all this going on. Right now. And I give you these examples. Job 1, 6 through 12. Job 2 through 7. Where it shows where Satan uh, went to do these things. And then Job 47, where God actually starts to talk to him. And, and then in verse 10, uh, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. All right? And notice when he did it, when he prayed for his friends. He prayed for his friends and his captivity got turned around. Then, of course, everybody knows about Paul's thorn. And we have complete teachings on these, an in-depth teaching on these in the bookstore. Uh, <clears throat> but we need to realize, first off, what is a thorn according to the Bible? Well, according to the law of first reference, then a thorn in the flesh always referred to a person or people, never to sickness or disease. Not once, right? And people say, well, you know, Paul had his thorn, and, and I, guess, I guess it's just my thorn. You know, I'm just like Paul, okay? Well, Paul said that he was given a thorn, which was a messenger of Satan. The word messenger is the word angel, or angelos, which is the word angel. And he said, I was given this angel of Satan uh, due to the many revelations that God had given me. So God gave him revelations and the devil said, we don't want that to get out. So the devil sent him a messenger that was an angel that was to keep him from moving forward in things. And so it wasn't God that gave Paul a thorn, obviously. And it was always, anytime the reference uh, to a thorn was always to people. And we see this as we go forward. You can see it in Numbers 33, 55. It says, if you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it will come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Notice, if you don't drive them out, these people are going to be thorns in your side, right? So if they were thorns in their side, whose fault was it? Was it God's? No, it was the people for not driving them out, right? And notice the thorn was people, again. In Joshua 23, 13. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now, again, notice he was talking about people, the inhabitants there, being these thorns in the flesh, pricks in their eyes, all these things going on there. It was people. Paul being a Bible scholar, he would have known what the phrase meant and his hearers would have known what the term meant. <clears throat> See, our problem is we're so far removed from the time period that we go back in and we think we can just invent what we want it to be because, and who invented this? Well, first off, it, it was the devil. <clears throat> but beyond that, <clears throat> it was somebody that didn't like healing, didn't believe that somebody could get healed, and they tried to make it sound as if Paul was sick and that he prayed three times for God to heal him and God said no. And all of that is, or I should say none of it technically, is in the Bible that way, all right? Because first off, <clears throat> there's nothing in there that says that that's how you get rid of people or devils, okay? <clears throat> and let's, let's look at the rest of it. In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, God told Ananias to go lay hands on Paul, heal him, and tell him what he would suffer for Jesus' sake, for his name's sake. Not that he was suffering his blindness for Jesus' sake. He was to be healed of that. But he said, go tell him what all he has to suffer for my namesake. Now, later on, 
in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 15, we see the same thing. Uh, but the Lord said unto him, Go your way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way that as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So he was healed of the blindness, right? But now notice on page 50, I give you a list of things that Paul himself said that he suffered. <clears throat> You'll notice the Jews determined to kill Paul. Uh, he was hindered at one point in joining with the Christians because nobody trusted him. Right? He was opposed by Satan. He was opposed by Jews in a mob. And I give you the scriptures for all these. He was expelled out of Antioch in Pisidia. He was mobbed and expelled from Iconium. He fled to Lystra and Derbe where he was stoned and left for dead. He was disputing continually with false brethren, beaten and jailed at Philippi. You notice he was beaten and jailed by people, right? <clears throat> he was mobbed and expelled from Thessalonica. He was mobbed and expelled from Berea. He was mobbed, and remember, mobs are people, at uh, Corinth. He was mobbed at Ephesus. There was a plot against his life by the Jews. He was seized by Jews, mobbed, tried in court five times, and suffered other hardship. And he even talks about this later on, about all the things he went through. And people want to say, oh, well, I'm like Paul. I have a thorn. This sickness is my thorn. Well, sickness is the one thing Paul never mentioned. Now, how come it's the one thing it's never mentioned, but it's the one thing also that everybody tries to say it was? Right? And, and Paul said, and when it comes to labors, <clears throat> I have labored more than all the other apostles combined. So he apparently, if he was sick, he wasn't too sick. Because he was able to work harder than everybody else. And usually when you're sick, especially in those days, if you were sick, you didn't travel that much. Travel was hard, right? It's hard enough as it is today. Back then it was totally different. And we can see over and over again the things that he went through. And he never mentioned sickness. So if we mention his thorn, <clears throat> then we can't mention sickness because he didn't, right? Just because you, somebody told you is what it said, you got to go by what the man himself said. And the man himself said that it was a an angel sent from Satan to hinder him, basically, so that he would not be able to continue to go out and preach the gospel, right? So now, if you want to say that's your thorn, okay, then share with us your great revelations that you've received that because that's why Paul said he had that thorn was because of his many revelations. So let's hear some of your revelations and see if that's why you've got your problem, you see? Automatically, <clears throat> people try to say, well, that's my thorn or you know, that kind of thing, and there's nothing in there. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? So automatically we can see in, here in 2 Corinthians on page 51, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5 says, Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he sees me to be, or that he hears of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. And when it talks about measure, it's talking about the, the area in which an apostle uh, shares his vision, his information. Put it that way. The revelation that was given to him. 
<clears throat> so he says, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now notice, again, he's not using the word, he didn't say sickness. And matter of fact, if you want to find out what Paul is mainly referring to here, you can go, because remember Paul wrote Romans. If you go to Romans 8, he talks about how the Holy Spirit in us groans in us and he makes groanings of intercession for us, praying the will of God. And it's talking about all these things that he had gone through. Here he said, uh, what God was telling him is, um, I, I besought the Lord three times that he would take away this messenger of Satan. And what did he say? Don't worry about that. I can't, why? Now listen, if it was sickness or disease, God should have healed him because we're promised that. But the one thing we're not, or let me put it this way, one thing we are absolutely promised is this. Jesus said, you will have persecution, right? He said, <clears throat> and Paul said, all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said, you're going to have persecution coming. You're going to have tribulation coming. Why? Because of my namesake. And that's exactly what Paul was going through. He was going through persecution from people. Matter of fact, we're not promised protection from persecution. We are promised persecution if we live godly in Christ Jesus. And so whenever Paul said, listen, this, this thing's coming after me and these people, they're beating me and they're doing all this stuff. Uh, you know, come on, get this thing off of me so that I can just travel freely. He said, no, no, you got to understand persecution is going to come because of what you're preaching. The enemy's going to come. And so when he said, I besought him three times to take it away from me, he said, I can't take that away from you. That's persecution. It's going to come. Right. But know this, even though it comes, my grace is sufficient. You will keep on going. You, I will bear you up in this. I will give you the strength to go on. Why? Because the more you rely on me and the less you rely on you, the more my strength can be displayed through you. Had nothing to do with sickness or disease, had nothing to do with an eye problem or any of these other things that people said. You have to remember Paul, it says in Acts chapter 19, verse 12, that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. And it said so in so much that he took aprons and, and girls things, uh, aprons and all these things, handkerchiefs from his body and sent them and gave them to people. And they would go out and wherever they went, if a person had a, a demon, when they got the cloth, the demon would go. If a person was sick or they had a disease, when they received that cloth, they would be healed. Now think about that. Here you've got a guy who some people would try to say, this man had eye problems, a particular eye problem that was called ophthalmia, that would actually cause a, a running pus to run from the eyes. It was very horrible. It was considered an unclean disease. It was one of those things that nobody could get around you. Nobody could touch you. Nobody could do anything. And here Paul is supposed to have this eye disease, and yet people come to him and say, please give me some of the cloth off of your body so that I can send to my sick relatives. No, you don't take cloths from people like that. If you do, you take them and you burn them. You don't send them to other loved ones, right? So he wouldn't take, I mean, because think about it. If Paul had an apron or any type of handkerchief on him and he's got this pus running out, what do you think he's going to do with it? He's going to be taken out and run. Oh, he, yeah, here you go. Here, let me send you this cloth. He'd be like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm, I'm well, right? But now let's take it a step further and let's look at the principle here. Cloths were taken from his body. Somebody comes up and says, I've got a loved one. They got this disease. They're dying. I need help. Paul says, well, I can't go. But I'll tell you what, take this. And he hands it to him. It doesn't even, see, we call it prayer clause. It doesn't even say he prayed over him. It just said he took clause that were on his body, gave it to him. And whenever they took that cloth and put it on their loved one, the life 
of God that was in Paul had so saturated his clothing that that same power was there. And when it got near the sick person, the disease left. If it was a demon, the demon left. Now think about that. Paul didn't, let's just picture it, all right? This is what I do. I read these things. And to me, it's not ink on page. I put myself there. And I only see what it says happened. I don't add to it or anything else. I just picture what's there. <clears throat> so let's say Paul is sitting there and somebody, you got two guys that come up to you and go, listen, uh, we're both visitors. I'm from this area. I'm from that area. Okay. What, what, what do you need? Well, I've got a loved one over here and, and uh, man, they just got a devil. I mean, this thing is tearing them up and there's problems going on. And Paul says, okay, uh, all right, I got you. Uh, what, what's your problem? Well, you know, my, my loved one over here, they're sick and they're dying. And there's nothing we can do. And they've had this sickness going on and now there's nothing we can do about it. Please, we need some help. Well, I can't go. But I'll tell you what. I'll take these prayer claws because isn't that what we call them? Prayer claws, right? And so he's going to take them out and he says, all right. All right, Father, I just thank you that right now your, your healing power is being released into this cloth. And Father, I thank you that in this cloth, I, I thank you for delivering power that that demon will go. And so now, uh, we thank you for it. And so, now, here, wait, okay, wait, you had, wait, wait a minute. Okay, this cloth was the one, okay, wait a minute. Okay, th this is the demon cloth. Yeah, that's the demon. Here's, here's the healing, well, I hope that's right. Because, now that's not how it worked. He had life. And when that life got to them, if it was sickness, that life repelled sickness out of them. If it was a demon, that demon left. He didn't have to pray specifically over this thing or that thing so that it would be specific. I've had so many people come to me. And I'll, I'll give you two examples. Remember, I was going to tell you that story a while ago, and I didn't tell you. Mm -hmm. See, you didn't even know. Anyway, I didn't have to tell them. But so I'll tell it to you now. But I've had people line up, and, there, and sometimes there'll be music going on during a healing service that you can't even hear. And the people want me to know what their problem is. So they'll say, you know, and they'll, sometimes they almost have to yell it. I've got, I've got uh, kidney problems and I, I need my kidneys healed and, and I'm on dialysis and I need my kidneys healed. And then there'll be all this stuff going on. And sometimes I'm like, what? I can't hear you. And they'll be yelling or somebody else will say, and, or they'll get my attention just before I, I start to pray. And they'll go, this guy down here, uh, he, he's got heart problems and he wants you to pray. Okay, I'll be down there in just a minute. And I'll go back and I'll start to pray. And, I, and here's a person with kidney problems. And I'll grab him by the hands. I say, in the name of Jesus right now, heart, I command you. In Jesus' name, you be healed right now. And this person just standing there looking at me like, I don't have a heart problem. Do I have a heart problem? Do I have, is it, is it a word of knowledge? Oh, God, I got a heart problem too. I mean, because Christians are that quick to take a problem, all right? So, and, and the whole thing, I'm, you know, I'm mixing these two up. And then they'll go off and they'll come back, you know, uh, but, but he didn't even pray for my kidneys. Do I need to get in line again to get my kidneys prayed for? No, listen, it's life. And then they'll go off and find out, guess what? My kidneys got healed. He didn't even mention my kidneys and my kidneys are working. Why? Because it doesn't follow my words. It follows my intention. It follows my faith. What am I saying? Healed head to toe. Healed. That's all I, life head to toe. See, if I get specific, you may have more than one thing. You may have things you don't even know is wrong. And if I get specific, you know, we could get you healed of kidneys. You drop over dead of a heart attack. But, or I can say, in Jesus' name, be healed head to toe. Life in Jesus' name. And that life just goes in. If he can fix one thing, he can fix everything. Amen? And so we learned that. Now, I'll tell you, part of how I learned that was I was in Vancouver, Washington. I was at a Russian church. You may have probably heard me tell this story before. But I was at a Russian church. They spoke Russian. 
I didn't, or don't, still. I got a couple of words and that's it. They, most of them did not speak English. I had to have an interpreter. I use more interpreters here in America than I do in other countries. Now, whenever I minister in churches. <clears throat> and so I have a Russian interpreter. I'm preaching. When we get done for the healing service, I said, all right, if you need healing, come forward. So everybody started coming forward. <clears throat> then my interpreter got called away. They called him off to the side, and I'm thinking, okay, well, he'll be back in a minute probably. And time went on. I'm thinking, I can't stand here all night. It was already 10 o'clock. I got to, you know, we got to get back to the motel room, and we got a Sunday morning service. It was a Saturday night. I said, all right. I said, come on down. So everybody's, everybody's down there, and they're all crowded. There was no line. There was no interpreter. It was just crowd, all crowded together. And I thought, okay, where's the guy? Oh, he ain't coming back? Okay, well, okay. So I thought, well, you know, uh, no matter what they say, I'm going to do the same thing. Because I always do the same thing. I don't, I don't change things when people tell me, oh, this? Okay, here, let me, let me change the dial. We'll, we'll bring the power up and we'll aim it toward the... That's not what goes on. We trust God that His Word is true. So all I have to do is make a decision. I believe His Word. By His stripes they were healed. That's you. So here you go. That's it. That is it. That's all I do. And so I realized no matter what problem they told me, I was going to do the same thing. So I thought... Well, if it doesn't matter what they say, I don't have to know what their problem is. If I'm going to do the same thing, it doesn't matter. Listen, if the answer is always the same, the question doesn't matter. Amen? And so I just jumped down off the platform. Said, and that, you know, they don't speak English. I don't speak Russian. So all I could do is gesture. So I look at them like, hold my hands out. What do they do? They hold their hands out. I'm like, no, no, turn your hand over because they do exactly what I did. So I turn their hands over and I hold them by the hand. And I just took my hand and said, in Jesus' name, life, right now, be healed. Right now, in Jesus' name, life, head to toe, be healed. And I would change it up a bit. I'd, I wasn't hearing words. It's just whatever came out. And I was, I, but I basically said the same thing every time. And there were between 800 and 1,000. I heard other reports, maybe even 1,200 people. I prayed for every one of them that night. Went through it. It took me a couple of hours, actually. Going through, be healed, head to toe, Jesus' name, bam. I don't know of one thing. One thing that I prayed for. I, have, I, I did not know. I didn't know anything, any one of their problems. Went to the hotel room that night. Came back the next morning. I'm cutting it short a little bit. But when I came back, the pastor there, he's awesome. Uh, he, he is the poster boy for the KGB. I mean, he looks so much like a KGB officer. I wanted to ask him, are you sure you're not hiding here or something? You know, you come over here, undercover or something. Because he, it was just amazing. And he would ask for something and it would, it'd be done. I mean, he would, it's like they were afraid they were going to get banished to Siberia or something. I don't know. But he, he asked, he said, I want this. And it's like, bam, it was done. It was that quick. So he told people, he said, all right, we're going to take testimonies. So if you were healed last night, come down front. We want your testimony. Literally, looked like the whole church came down just like the night before. Everybody started coming. He stopped them. No, 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 stop. Not if you were prayed for, only if you were healed. Only if you were healed. And people was kind of like, uh, yeah, I was healed. So then they came on down front. So we had this whole front full again. So we spent the whole service. I thought I was going to preach. I actually did preach later on, but it was a little bit later on. And my message was fairly short, which was the working of miracles. So, <laughs> okay, just to let you know. But went through, and he went through this line of people. Tumors disappeared. Blood pressure changed. Uh, breathing problems different, knee joints uh, started functioning and started, I mean, uh, pain gone, everything. It was amazing. 
And I'm standing there listening to it and I'm glorying in God, just like, wow, that is that's awesome. Somebody, and then I realized I didn't know one thing that I prayed for. And that day, God got bigger in my eyesight because I realized if he's the one doing it, why do I need to know it? All I'm doing is releasing life. All I'm doing is I'm just being the conduit for him. All I have to do is make sure I'm connected to him. And then when I connect with them, that life just flows through. It doesn't matter what they have. You see, we, we don't have different diseases, different things. Why? I don't have to go in well now. <clears throat> what happened with you? And you ask people that. It's amazing. You know, what can I do for you? Well, it started when I was five. And, and then I went and, and, you know, 30 minutes later, you're still standing there. And, you know, all the faith in you is just gone. I mean, it's just like, dear Lord, that's horrible. <laughs> That's, a, you, that's an awful life. That is right. You know, and, and then they go, well, where, 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 can you pray? No. I have no faith left. It's just all gone, you know. You know or, or worse yet, I listen to you long enough and I, and I start to agree that you don't deserve it. You know, it's kind of like, yeah, you, you, I, you don't even deserve it. I don't even want to lay hands on you. I didn't, you know, just you're, you're a bad person. See, see, so, so don't give too many information. Don't give too much information, right? Don't ask for too much because you may hear too much. Just, you know, come up and, and let me believe the best in you, right? Let me believe Jesus died for you. Let me believe that he, he bore the stripes for you so that I can agree that you deserve to be healed because he died for you, right? If for no other reason, right? And that's all I need to know. I don't need to know your problems, right? I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to prescribe some pharmaceutical type thing to fix you, right? We got one remedy, the life of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, you were healed. That's all we do. Amen? Isn't that simple? And so, but that day God got bigger because I realized I don't have to know everything. I don't have to zero in. When we go to Ukraine, Ukraine's amazing meetings. We had, uh, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people. No, actually 2,500 at one point. All in one room. And they had two aisles. And as I walked through, everybody grabs me. And as they went through, <clears throat> the first time I realized I'm not going to be able to touch everybody, even though we pretty much did the last night. But I told him, I said, you know, people came up and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. I said, as we go through, reach out, grab a hold of me, just touch me, do what. Why? Because it's his life. We did that. People started getting healed. They got healed. They come back the next day, gave testimony. One guy touched me, went out, started healing the sick. And he said, I just took it from you and gave it to them. I'm like, great. And we got all this on tape. We got it on film, all this stuff going on. Well, not film, digital now. But we have to realize God is so much bigger than we want to put him in our little box. It has to be like this. And he says, no, no, no. I'm so much bigger than your box. Get out here with me and have fun. Right? And we start to realize how much easier it is to give away his power. Why? Because it's not hard. Right? We don't have to strain to do it. So I got to let you go. It is five. We've almost totally finished uh, this chapter, we will pick up here tomorrow. But did you learn anything today? Amen. Right. We're, we're getting <clears throat> kind of in the heart of it now. Uh, tomorrow we'll be, we'll be picking these things up and there are some, some details and things that are good to know. There are things that will help you function and minister. And then, of course, this evening, or is it this evening you are going back out? Or in, aren't they going out this evening? Is that right? Or is that tomorrow? some point. Anybody know? Tomorrow. Nobody knows. Tomorrow. Okay. Does anybody know? All right. So, <clears throat> but... Um, yeah, we want to get you out and get you practicing this, okay? We got a lot more. We could be here weeks just telling you testimonies, but we want you to get your own testimonies because once you see it under your hands, everything changes. Amen? Amen. All right, so uh, God bless you. You are dismissed. Now, if you are a partner with us or if you'd like information on being a partner, stay with us uh, just for a couple of minutes, just real quick. We're going to just go through 
go through some things with you. Uh, so if you need to leave, you're free to leave. But if you would like some information about that, we're, we're doing some changes in our partner department, and they're good changes. We're, we're excited about them. So uh, if you need to leave, go ahead and go. Other than that, we will see you all tomorrow. And if you're going to stay, then just hang out here for a couple of minutes. We'll give everybody time to leave that needs to leave, and then I'll talk with you for just a couple of minutes. won't take long at all. Right? So God bless you.